1: I need to have a hot conversation. Now, if you don't know what a hot conversation is, hot is the acronym for honest, open, and transparent. He began to confess to me a lot of things that he had going on, nothing illegal, nothing even really immoral, but things that just really were bothering him and his life at that very moment. When he got finished, I said, I just want you to know how proud I am of you for having the courage to tell me and how grateful I am that you trust me enough to tell me. It would have been very easy to get on my self-righteous high horse and judge or condemn or even give suggestions about how not to do what he was doing again. But that's not what he needed from me. He simply needed to be validated. He needed to be heard. He needed to be seen. One of the biggest problems we have in America today is communication, and that's because we listen to respond instead of listening to understand. And when we listen to respond, we miss so much in knowing a person's true heart and their intent and really who they are as an individual. And remember, when you're listening to them, a lot of times they don't need you to understand. They just need to know that you're present, that they're seen, that they're heard, that they're validated. So at the end of the day, that's all we really want, all of us, is to know that we're seen, we're heard, or we're validated. Everybody, Doc Bryan here, and welcome to Doc Talks. Where we talk about people's troubles, trials, tribulations, and hopefully triumphs in life. Again, uh, if you've listened to our last episode, you'll know that we uh, have with us Rachel Florin, who is a uh, LPC in Texas, a licensed professional counselor, and we have James and Janae Smith uh, with us again here. And so, uh, each of you, it's wonderful again to have you with us.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: And I would just say you are the first guest of Doc Talks to ever have your therapist with you on an episode. But there is a reason for that, and and it's a very important reason that we're going to talk about here. Um, so for those of you who don't know the backstory, um, Janae and and James uh, married, and James cheated. Janae made a video, very raw, emotional video that went viral and found out everything, found out everything that was going on <laughs> yeah. that, that led to 3.7 million people seeing this, this video, which landed them on the Dr. Phil show. Now, how did, did Dr. Phil contact you? How did, how did the, all of that transpire?
2: Yeah, their producers reached out to me um, and asked if I wanted to be on it. And um, I then reached Well, called James and told him and um, we discussed it and he kind of, you know, agreed he would do it. Yeah. So they reached out to us. We get a lot of confusion about that. People are like, how did you, you wrote in, that was really fast. And I was like, no, to be clear, they saw my video. It ended up on one of their pages and then they reached out to me.
1: And and so... I can only assume that they didn't pay you thousands of dollars to be guest on the show, so you didn't go for the money. You no, we got nothing. I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) We got no money.
1: (laughs) Okay, well that clears that up. Uh, So at least Dr. Phil pays his guest exactly what I pay my guest. So that's that's (laughs) good to know. Um, But but, we can do it from the comfort from our home here. True, true. It it was obvious that you weren't doing it for any monetary gain so I could only suspect that you legitimately went to get help yeah, yeah. and that's what we were told we were going to get
2: yeah that's so. that's why we that's why we agreed to go I was told that I would get some answers and because he had seen so many people I would kind of get some guidance like more more guidance
3: he said he had resources yeah so that was assumed that they were going to be offered to us so.
2: so whether it be divorce or it be co-parenting we would touch on one of those and then talk about you know where to go but that never happened <laughs> so
1: and so they did not offer you any type of of treatment or counseling outside of the show no, now, no. They,
3: they, I think
2: they told you, us to get if
3: you, you watched <laughs> the end of the episode um, the second episode he said you both need help I mean mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing but that's really all he said. Which, you know, obviously we we already knew and we were already doing on our own. Yeah,
2: we were talking to somebody and that was going great. Like, I think we were great before we left for the show. Like, we were making headway. So,
1: Would you say that being on on his show led to more trauma?
2: Yeah. 100% for me. 100% for me. I don't know about James, but uh, being the victim... I came out worse than I went in.
3: So this is this is how I explain it. I, I went in prepared. I knew I was going in as the antagonist. If you've seen the Dr. Phil show before, you know what he does. I knew I was going to be picked on. And I was going in. I was mentally prepared for all of that, right? And I was able to prepare myself for over a week. But Janae went in thinking that she was going in as the person who was cheated on and is going to be getting help and support. (laughs) And, and that's not what happened. You know, they, um, she walked off of the show thinking that she was a villain too. And so it was really hard and there was a lot of trauma that came
1: out of it. Yeah. I want to play this little clip here and hopefully you can hear this and then let's, let's just, unpack this for a second, so.
4: Okay, James, um, I'm glad you're here, because we're gonna try to find the bottom here somewhere. Yeah. Right. Um, So you say you essentially were just following directions. She said, just, you want sex? Get it somewhere else.
3: Um, I mean, yes, yes and no. Um, You hear something enough times, it kind of gets stuck in the back of your mind, and it doesn't make it um, doesn't make it right. But you hear it enough times, it's kind of in the back of your head.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, what he said there was that you were just doing what you were told by cheating. That you were what Doctor Phil said was that Janae had told you that if you wanted sex, you needed to go find it somewhere else so it wasn't necessarily cheating, you were just doing what you were told.
3: So that was in, uh, so I remember, so before the show takes place, you do like this two hour interview, right? And I had said that when we had, whenever I'd bring up my concerns about intimacy, it would usually end with then With her saying, then go find it someplace else. Being sarcastic, right? But I said in that interview, you know, I heard it enough times that I really started to, you know, it got in my head. I knew she was being sarcastic, but I started thinking this in my head the more and more I heard it. And that's what he's referring to. I think he he tried taking that and turning it into something else that it wasn't, but that's where that came
1: from. Right. And so, Rachel, as a therapist, what is the danger in asking that kind of question?
0: Well, you're putting, you're setting him up for failure for one, you know, and what is he supposed to, how is, how else is he supposed to respond? So you're setting up the question where there's only one way to respond.
1: And and while I know that you couldn't see the video clip that I played, but You could see all on his face that he was completely uncomfortable with the question and that, that James, you you really tried to go out of your way to reframe that question as to not make it seem like that you were at no fault, that you were just doing what you were told. And that clip led into this one.
4: But that taken with the fact that You think this was a bait-and-switch situation that you, when you were courting, when you were in the engagement phase, dating and all of that, uh, you were very sexually active, and she had the same hormonal impact from chemotherapy and all of that then that she had now, and it didn't affect it. You think this was bait-and-switch. I'll show you this and then give you this. Right,
3: yeah, that's just how it appears, yeah.
4: It, it really sounds like you're basically the victim here. She conned you.
1: I, I, I
3: wouldn't say that. Um, well, you did say that. I don't like to call myself the victim. Obviously, she's the victim in this situation.
1: So that clip just shows us that he was really pressing you, James, to say that you were the victim. How? how what was your thought process in that very moment? Well,
3: he yeah he got he got very pushy. And that's, that was actually the very first set of questions he was asking me when I got out on the stage Mm -hmm. and it didn't do, he didn't do himself any favors because I got very uncomfortable and just shut down. I just completely shut down and stopped answering his questions. Yeah. He just made me super uncomfortable because that's just not at that point. I didn't feel like that. Those weren't my feelings anymore. Um, and we keep saying this over and over again, Janae and I both do. By the time we went on that show, it had been a month, over a month.
2: It had been months since we found out about Chelsea. Yeah. And two months since I'd found out about it, everything. So it was kind of like.
3: And that, uh, one, it, that that quote is completely, taken out mi- of mi- mis- it's misquoted. One, I wouldn't say a thousand percent. I don't know if that's what it said in the clip, but. Uh, He says that a 1,000% I would not have cheated, right? Using anything over a 100% annoys me. That's just my personality. Uh, I think it sounds stupid. So I know that was not a quote that I said, for one.
1: So you're referring to this clip.
4: You said, with regard to the cheating, and this is a quote, it's 100% because of no sex. That if it wasn't for that, And then you went on to say, 1,000%, if I had been having sex, 1,000% would have never cheated. Correct. So you're saying 1,000%, this is due to no sex at home. Correct. 1,000%. It's not like, you know, it's kind of me, kind of her. You're saying 1,000%, this is because no sex in the marriage. Correct. Yep. Yep. That's the one. Yep and so, and so um, in in that
1: clip, Dr. Phil says, "Not just once but twice you said right. a thousand percent. I yeah. would not have cheated had we were having sex yeah
3: and 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 right when he when he started pushing as hard as he did, and the fact that I know it was completely n- misquoted or not something I said at all because I wouldn't have used that thousand percent term, I knew what he was trying to do. um, I think we discussed before. And this is definitely something that I used in the army for what I did is it's interrogation tactics. They're trying to say something that you said to try to get you to say something, you know, and they try to corner you. Right. Uh, At that point I completely shut down. And I, what I was saying before is it had been a month before it would this had all happened about a month before we actually went on the show Mm -hmm. where When she just found out, I was still trying to justify the things that I did. And I would have said, and I did say, hey, if we had a more intimate relationship, I probably wouldn't have cheated. That was something I did tell her. But over time, I started to come to terms with what I did and started taking responsibility. And when we were on the show, I didn't feel like that anymore. And so and he, he knew that. His producers knew that, that I told all that to. He knew that. So for him to approach me with that question the way he did was, I mean,
1: I think it's unethical in my personal opinion. But while I was not there, uh, much as Rachel mentioned in the first episode that you know we're trained to read body language. Mm-hmm. Um, and the moment that he said that, your whole demeanor changed. I mean, yep. it was just and so in my mind, here's probably what happened. You were probably in a room. And they said, would you have cheated if you were having sex all the time? And you said, no. And they said, 100%. You said, yeah, 100%. They said, 1,000%. yeah. That's exactly what they did. Yep. Yeah. And and so it wasn't your verbiage. No. And and they did it to both
3: of us with different questions. Mm -hmm.
1: Yep. And, And so Rachel, as... As a therapist, in looking at this, let's just look at it on the outside as a therapist. First of all, when we ask questions, we are not interrogating. We are fact-finding.
0: That is exactly right. When you don't go into, that's not therapy. What they did was not therapy, guys. You're not there to... Uh, interrogate, I, I, we've been using the word interrogate, but I think like cross-examine. I think like being an attorney in a courtroom where they're trying to take your words and use them against you versus what a therapist would do is take your, your own words and use them to help you. They use them against you to where, to me, I could almost say it felt or looked like some gaslighting, you know, was going on because now you're starting to doubt your own reality. Well, is this what I did? Is this what I said? I don't even know. Um, and that is inappropriate. And you know, you guys had mentioned you're in a better place. you absolutely were. And talking to you on the phone after that happened, I'm like, I felt like it just set you back and my heart went out to my clients because they had done so much hard work, you know, and it's just was unraveling.
1: yeah, and, and I'm glad that you made the point to say that what is happening on that show is not therapy right because I think there are many who would look at, that show and make an assumption about what therapy is, that they would then conclude that therapy is not for them.
0: Absolutely. Because we don't, you know, we may challenge you on some things. We may put a mirror in front of your face, but we're not there to berate you and to shame you. I mean, hell, that's what people do to themselves. We're trying, you know, we need to undo all of that And um, so it does break my heart that if people see that and think that that's therapy, then they don't come and get the help they need from a caring therapist that really does want to be in there and get their hands dirty with you. And so they don't get the help and instead they get hurt.
1: And, And one thing that I would say is that if I speak any words that you haven't spoken, I'm simply asking a question that is reframing what you said to try to understand better what it is that you mean right for instance which i don't i don't do adolescent therapy because kids drive me crazy but that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a whole other whole other no, thing that's
2: hilarious I just made my day
1: but in in talking with therapists that do one of the things that they tell me is okay this child does not know how to communicate this emotion and we know that behaviors are words especially mm-hmm. within adolescence yeah and so they would ask the child have you seen this movie whether it be frozen or or whatever you know movie there is can you tell me a time in that movie where the character felt what you're feeling right now and they're able to express that in a way that that we understand but still you're not baiting them into a situation correct and so literally here in my opinion he was attempting to get James to say that he was the victim and that it was Janae's fault.
0: Absolutely.
1: And and Janae, if, I don't know if you picked up on this. I'm sure, Rachel, if you've seen the episode, you did. But every time that Janae spoke, he barely looked at her and then turned right back to James.
2: Yeah.
1: It yeah. was almost as if she was, uh, you know, just shouldn't have been there. I
0: know. He shouldn't
1: have. You know? <laughs>
0: Even though she was the reason that they were there.
1: <laughs> right. Right. It, it was almost like she was a pest sitting there, that he was, you know, uh, just just annoyed that she was there. And, and the problem with that is that this is not just James' problem. Yeah. This is a James and Janae problem.
2: It's our marriage. Yeah. Right. Right.
0: Absolutely. And
1: while there are things that he needs to work on individually, when you're both in that room, it's about the community problem, not the individual problem.
0: Mm-hmm. Correct. The, the, I, we call it like the usness and the weeness.
1: Yes. Yes. Not the
0: you, not not me. It's us. Did yes. well, you tell them that you weren't allowed to watch
3: mine? Oh, that was another part of the show that. Uh, so she went out. And, and did her little segment before I w- went out there and we were together. They locked me in a room and didn't allow me to watch her say what she had to say. So I was going out there, Blimey. you know, without even knowing what they talked about or anything. So that was another thing that. Not helpful. Did <laughs> not
1: really. Yeah.
2: Because anything I would say to them, I would say to James. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's part of it.
1: And and it's not like it wasn't going to be broadcast anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and so there's another clip here that I want to play. And this clip, Doctor Phil tries to get you to say that you cheated because of Janae. And listen to this clip.
4: You're saying the reason you did this is because of her, not because of you.
1: Now, James, uh, once again, he is implying the victim mentality here.
2: Oh, the victim part.
1: Uh, that you cheated because of Janae, because of her action or or really lack of action. Lacken. Yeah, in that moment, what were you thinking? What was going through your head at that point in time? I I remember, I
3: remember thinking almost that whole entire time, as I need to somehow get my point across that I am not blaming Janae, and I don't think he really was giving me an opportunity to do that. He was trying to get me to say the opposite. That that's what was really going through my head that entire show was I just want an opportunity to say that I don't blame Janae. And I just, I don't think I was ever given that opportunity.
1: Yeah. And and Rachel, um, in, in watching this, trying to psychoanalyze exactly what he was trying to get, I don't know what he was trying to get there other than to place blame completely on Janae. Did you have a different perspective there of what was going on?
0: It was really difficult for me to watch. (laughs) I got to be honest with you. So I kind of had to shut it down for a little bit because I was, I myself felt triggered by, you know, the questioning to try to blame, victim blame or vice versa. And I felt at that point, it was all about ratings. I did not feel that it had anything to do with therapy and trying to understand what was happening and how can we, you know... Heal and get the help we need. So I was just really upset about that because I just saw all the work unravel. And it was just like you're tearing them down. You know, there are techniques that maybe therapists may use to kind of help the clients really bond together and become a team. And that was completely opposite of that.
1: Yeah. In looking at some social media outlets of TikTok and comments, you know, it's difficult, at least for me, it's very difficult to objectively read any comment that's negative because they don't know the whole story. Mm-hmm. But in in looking at some of these comments here, the one comment here says, I don't understand why women always blame the other woman. Blame your man.
2: Is it on mine?
1: My- yes. And I'm sure you've heard that from more than just one person.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I love my trolls. And I say that because... um. Trolls, like I said, they don't know the whole story, and I'm I'm very uh, to each their own, and you can think what you want, and so I don't really like feed into it. I I tell them they're they're entitled to think what they want, and that's okay, and I hope they have a great day, and I hope they can find something positive to find on social media that they can go comment something nice on, and then I usually follow them, and then I usually go to one of their things and comment something positive, and then they tend to just dis- disappear. Yeah, because they don't like that. Because yeah. I'm actually being kind back.
1: Yeah, and there's a there's another comment here on on YouTube of Dr. Phil's YouTube video that uh, quote to say this episode should actually be called the psychopath, the narcissist, and the woman who went on a few dates.
2: <laughs> oh my god, that's good. I wish I would have seen that one.
1: But here's the problem: is that the way. That that interview is formatted. Yeah, it would be easy to say psychopath, narcissist, woman who didn't know what was going on. Yeah, and knowing the whole story gives you a completely different perspective.
2: Oh, absolutely, and that's I, I mean, and that's why that's why the comments don't bother me because I mean, I lived it. So, I mean, I know everything and I continue to get details and people reaching out to me more information than I ever wanted to know.
3: Both of us, yep. Yeah.
2: So therefore, that's why I'm just like, okay, you don't have to like me and you can call me crazy and you can say I need to up my meds and I need to be in a psychiatric ward. I mean, I've heard all of it and I'm just like, okay, well, thank you for thinking of me and my mental health. I mean, I tend to try to always just switch it to the you know thank you for thanking me and my mental health, and um, I appreciate it, and you have a great day. James has a way harder time with it than me, I think that's just our personalities,
1: yeah, with his love language being touch, words hurt, yeah, you know, uh, we're a little bit I'm the same way that's that's my love language too, and so love uh, those words really hurt and make me feel like. I really am those things, even though I'm not.
3: So what really sets me off is sometimes it it hurts, but it's mainly when people just talk ignorantly that don't know. that's what really makes me mad because it, it just it's just like these are I mean i I usually say you if something really sets me off, I'll say, you know you kind of more mean than this, but you don't look you don't sound very smart right now because. Why would you go without knowing the whole story, make comments that, you know, make you sound really, for lack of a better word, dumb? I mean, and that's how I see it. And that's why it makes me so mad is, is people are making these comments that can really damage someone's feelings and emotions and mental health when they don't even know the whole story. That's it's true. very dangerous in my opinion. Um, but they but don't did care. you
1: not did you not somehow set yourself up for that? by being so public with it. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I mean,
2: I knew I could handle it. I guess I just didn't think, I I didn't think about James in that. I probably should have more. But the reality is, is like that comment that you read, the psychopath, the narcissist, and, you know, there's a lot of people who, that would send them over the edge. And, you know, I need to take that in consideration because I'm very fortunate that I do have, the personality, and I was raised to not let stuff like this bother me, but there's some people who that would be it, Mm -hmm. and that's not okay. I mean, I have,
1: I have seen people commit suicide over less. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, especially in such a platform that is so public, Mm -hmm. to be so blatant, I have heard Dr. Phil to be described as a bully, Mm -hmm. as insensitive. In, in those moments, it's, it really makes someone stop to wonder, is this really helping anybody other than you and the network?
2: Oh, it for sure did not help me. I mean, they basically were like, Hey, guess what? You got screwed over by your husband. Let us help you. And then they brought me on and they were like, but let's make it so it doesn't help you. Mm
4: -hmm. So uh, here's this next clip. You two have something in common.
2: Yeah. James, the line
4: that you've both been lied to. Yes. Uh, by James. Absolutely. And you recognize him as being manipulative, but you don't give her any quarter for being manipulated by him.
1: That's the, that's the setup of the scene there. So, Janae, I, I understand that, that you were lied to, she was lied to, but she knew more of the truth than, than she let on in the show.
2: Oh, God. And then, Absolutely, yes. And that's why yeah. we get so many comments about, you guys are so nasty. You guys are making – like looking at each other. And that's because they didn't show all the stuff we have that shows that she knew that I was here.
3: Yeah. And look, I, I'd like to speak to this because this is the one thing that bothers me a lot is people, people assume that we don't understand that – well, obviously I understand. I'm the one that did it. But, yes, I did manipulate her. But that's – we're not – there was another woman, right. That I was speaking to Janae has no problem with her whatsoever because she was upfront with her and told her everything And and was remorseful and was, you know, and so she, she could care less about that other woman. The thing that Janae and I are both upset about when it comes to Chelsea is that she is trying to deny the fact that she knew anything about Janae. She's trying to save face by telling her friends, family, other people in the community that we live in, that she knew nothing about the fact that I was married, that I had children. That
2: you lived it here with
3: is, me. And she's completely making all these stories up to try to save her face and and uh, manipulate everyone else to, to save her. She's got a business as well. So I think part of that is trying to save her business and, um, because all of this is, this is all public. And so there is a lot of line that's taking place that actually makes Janae look worse. And that's what we're trying to combat. That's part of the reason why I created my TikTok is one, Janae's video went viral and there was a lot of people making assumptions and I wanted to try to combat that. And two, after the Dr. Phil show aired, there was a lot of lies out there, uh, lies that Chelsea was telling and... Lies that continued and blew up even more because of the Dr. Phil show. And so, but yeah, we're mad because of the lies that Chelsea was telling. It wasn't the fact that she slept with a married man. That's not why Janae's mad. No. So, to kind of bring it back, it's because of all the lies Chelsea's telling to make Janae look. It makes Janae look worse and crazier.
1: So, also in in talking with you, there was a text message that was fabricated or doctored, if you will. That that the text was Janae telling one of the mistresses, I guess, that she was going to kill her and her kids. So what?
3: So what happened was on the show, they put a text mes- a screenshot of text message on the TV on the screen and then handed Janae a piece of paper that had the text on it. And it was a text from Janae's phone to Chelsea's phone. No,
2: Chelsea's friend's
3: phone. Or sorry, Chelsea's friend's phone because there. um We don't know. Chelsea had a friend texting for her with Janae. And what it was is it made it appear that Janae was texting her saying that James is going to kill the kids – and me and the kids, and this was the day that I, I believe it was the same day that... It was the same day. The same day that she found everything out. Yeah. And she started talking to Chelsea, trying to figure... You know, she was doing her her research, trying to do her investigative work, trying to figure out everything that happened.
2: That has nothing to do with it.
3: No, but it was that day <laughs> um, when everything was heated. Yeah. So.
2: But they, they gave it to me on stage. And they were like, is this your phone number? And I was like, yes, it's my phone number, but... I did not send this, and they were like, "Well, it's your phone number," and I was like, "Yeah." And so then I just sat there for a second, mind you, it's recording. There's an audience,
3: a virtual, audience. virtual
2: audience, right? And I'm just sitting there, yeah, and I'm she's like, "On
3: the spot, yeah."
2: Oh my gosh! And I'm like, "Maybe, maybe I did say it." And I'm like, "Maybe I blacked out." Like that's so not like me, but maybe I did. And I was like, "I'm so sorry if I did say it. I don't remember saying it or whatever." And so I got off stage, and I like started crying. I was so upset. And I got home. I, I was crying at the airport. Like it was nonstop crying for me because I was like, I have never been like that. Like I've said messed up stuff. I've done messed up stuff. We all have. It's life. Hmm. But I have never not remembered doing it. Right. So I got home and I'm, I talked to the producer. And while he was on the phone with me, I pulled up my, my phone log. It was not real.
1: Yeah.
2: It was completely fake.
1: So, Rachel, that then plays into the narrative once again that she's the crazy one. And is textbook gaslighting?
0: And when I heard that, I'm not necessarily surprised because it did elicit the reaction that they were looking for. And, you know, denial. And I didn't do this. So it just all kind of fits into, I guess, the motive, you know, their purpose for the show. And that is to make the client look crazy. Yeah. (laughs) They, They had to cut it. They
3: did not air it, though, because. They had to
0: they had to cut it legally.
3: Legally, because we proved to them that it was it fabricated. Was so if they would have played it, they would have we could have sued them.
0: I wish that you still had that paper. I don't know if you do or not, but you know, now because it's like, oh, it's your word against theirs, but I absolutely believe you. Um, with everything else that I've seen. And you guys called me right after that happened, actually pretty upset. So I remember you know, remember very well. Yeah. yeah.
1: But even in the timeline, it doesn't make sense that that would be the response.
0: I know. Well, well absolutely not.
1: So this is the last clip I want to uh, play of, of Dr. Phil's interview here with you, and then we're, we'll just kind of summarize everything here, um, this clip.
4: You're a vet, and thank you for your service, by the way. Aside from everything else, thank you for your service. And they, they owe you some answers. They, they owe you some answers, and you damn sure should get them. Yes, sir. And I'm not trying to excuse your behavior. I'm just saying you are entitled to some answers, and you should get them. So, James, hearing
1: that, knowing that, yes, you are a veteran, but then there's this inference that there is something wrong with you that justifies your actions. Mm-hmm. What was that moment like for you?
3: Oh, so, I <laughs> I remember that. But at that point, I was already way checked out, (laughs) like so done. I remember thinking, though, is like, um, like, you know, the the military, the the VA, they have they have given me so much, you know, and they have given back and they are helping. I remember thinking and this was like a day after I, I really thought about the whole military aspect of the show that they were presenting. And I just remember thinking, man, I hope I don't get backlash from all my military friends for even bringing anything up, because that's the last thing I want to do is blame my time in the service for all this, you know, for my, for my mistakes. And so I was actually pretty worried. Ha- I haven't heard anything. I mean, there's a couple people people, um, you know, on social media, people I don't know that are vets that have, you know, oh, well. You can't blame PTSD on, you know, you cheating, which I'm not doing.
1: That's how they want to take it. So, but yeah. So in the end of this second episode, I really feel like psychologically, they made this real pretty bow that told the audience, James is a veteran. We should respect him. He has PTSD because he was a veteran. So we should respect him even more. And if his wife was having sex with him on the regular, he would have never had to cheated. And so he is the victim and she is the problem. Uh, Rachel, is that how you saw that?
0: Yes, you hit it spot on. And, you know, <laughs> and and no disrespect, but, you know, and I'm a veteran, but women still continue to get the blame, you know, and this needs to change.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I try to say there are three sides to every story. Typically, we say there's two sides, but there really is three. There's what you say, what you say, and what actually happened.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is somewhere in the middle.
1: <laughs> it is somewhere in the middle. And and it's not to say that you are lying about what happened. It's that your brain literally blocks out some of that trauma that does not come up until you're in therapy, you feel in a safe spot, you are able to manifest these things. But in, in my opinion, being in that setting, it would have been very easy for me as Janae to go, you know what, this is all my fault. I don't, I don't deserve to, to have James. He is, he is a veteran and, and I should respect him because of that. It would have been very easy for me to feel that way had I been her. Now, thankfully, that's not her personality, right. that's not her sentiment, but, but what is the danger there, Rachel, in, in trying to even place blame within therapy to, what is, what is the danger there with that?
0: Well, then the therapist becomes the abuser, you know, or the gaslighter, because now you're telling that they're, you're telling them that they're doubting their own reality, what they experienced, their perceptions or feelings, thoughts aren't real. That's a very dangerous line. And that is not your job. As a clinician, your job is to first do no harm. Yes, there's a whole lot more to that, but that is your always your job and to take care of your clients. And that is not what happened. And I, you know, you were talking about you would have been very easy had it been you. You know, think of that environment. You're stressed out, you're in your emotional fight or flight because you're nervous, you're anxious. So what does that mean? It means I'm not necessarily thinking clearly. So in my opinion, that's what they were counting on, is they would throw them off balance, they weren't stable, and they're going to basically agree to whatever they told them. I'm just very happy that my clients, you know, Janae did not let that happen. And that, you know, James, you know, yes, he shut down, but that was what he knew to do. Mm. That was how he, you know, saved himself.
1: Yeah, and and, you know, it would, for some people, in James' situation, would have been been easy for them to say, you know what, she is crazy, and it's not my fault.
0: Oh, absolutely. It
1: would have been very easy for someone to say, yeah, hey, I was completely justified in doing that.
0: And and that is just inappropriate because we all have to own our own stuff, you know. And when you're self-aware, that means you do have insight. I need to do something about this.
1: Mm-hmm. So, as a as a clinician, Rachel, what do we do? when we have a therapist that we feel like is crossing that line and that maybe therapy is becoming more toxic than it is helpful?
0: As soon as, you know, I use the term gaslighting a lot because it is so common, especially these days for whatever reason is happening in our society. So anytime you have a gut, your gut is your survival. And if your gut is saying something doesn't feel right, you you get out of the situation you know save yourself don't try to justify it don't second guess yourself well maybe it's me go and find another therapist
1: or the you could do the acid test and just tell the therapist how you feel oh
0: absolutely
1: and see how they react you know
0: that is i love that because you want your clients to tell you the truth. And, you know, a decent therapist, and hopefully I said this, cause I, I usually do is that if I'm wrong about something or if I'm incorrect or you don't feel what I'm saying is right. Tell me. Yeah. You've said that to me. Well, good. Yeah. <laughs> You're paying me. Yeah. You know, this isn't my therapy. It's yours.
1: Absolutely. And, and so looking for a therapist and trying to find somebody that fits, I, I try to explain to people that therapists are a lot like restaurants. You've got to go somewhere where you're getting fed.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And if you're not getting fed in a way that you're receiving, then you need to go somewhere else.
0: That's exactly right.
1: But with the inaccessibility of mental health care, it's often difficult in that interim to find a new therapist to see someone. So if you were in a point of where you need that therapy, that is, it's bad therapy, but you still need it. What do you do? Oh,
0: gosh, I don't that. That's a really difficult question. Be honest with your therapist first, how you're feeling, because maybe the therapist isn't aware of what they're doing. So that would be the first step. And then look, you know, ask friends, look for resources where you can get help for veterans. There truly are lots of resources. I actually put together a PowerPoint um, last year and, and I just had to stop. There was just so many resources You know, there are a lot, I think because of the pandemic, that there's been a lot of the spotlights really been put on the need for mental health so that there are more agencies still needs a lot of work, especially here in Texas. We still need a lot more work. There's a lot, there are a lot of therapists, but there's a lot of business Mm -hmm. in that saying something. And I think one of the things that I'm seeing is that now that stigma is really being removed, you know. You're not crazy. You don't have to be crazy to go see a therapist. We all need somebody to talk to. We're all walking wounded, every one of
1: us. Absolutely. And
0: that's not, you know, there's not, you don't always want to tell your friends or your family all your stuff. Go to a trained professional. If you can't afford one, look for a sliding scale.
1: I'm not ashamed to tell anybody that I see a therapist every Thursday at two o'clock because as a therapist, I hear a lot of things that aren't healthy really sometimes for me to hear trauma that, and, and being somewhat of a empath, I you know, begin to feel that pain. And, and it is good for me to be able to tell somebody something that I know if they repeat it, that I can have their practice and everything that they own. Mm -hmm. But there is this comfort in that as a person who carries this stuff with us all the time. And, and there is, you know, there's, there's such a a thought process around a stigma around mental health. And I think we're getting better with it. Mm -hmm. But I think we've got a long way to go in that if you need help, ask for help. There is no shame in asking for help. Absolutely. If you wake up in the morning and you're having chest pains and those pains are running down your arm, you're probably going to go to the hospital thinking you're having a heart attack.
0: Absolutely. But
1: if we wake up in the morning and we're so depressed we can't get out of bed, Why do we second guess seeing a therapist?
0: I see this more with males than with females. And it's that um, a sign of weakness. I should be able to fix this, you know? So, okay. So open that toolbox and tell me which tool you're going to use. It doesn't work like that. You know, we're human. And I think that, you know, the more that we do, you know, there's podcasts and talk shows um, like this one to say, it's okay. It doesn't make you weak. Actually, it makes you stronger because you're asking for help.
1: Absolutely. So Janae James, what would your advice be to someone who is going through what you have gone through, not just on on the show, but in real life? What would your advice to them be?
3: Oh uh, well, for my side of things, it would just it would be a you know if you want to heal from it and fix your marriage, just to be completely honest. Not with just your spouse, but with yourself. that's part of that's been the most important part for me is just coming to terms with what I actually did, admitting it. I wouldn't be able to heal without doing that first. And that was the most important part. And that was the hardest part, too. So uh, but once you can do that, it's kind of it's been so far kind of smooth sail, smooth sailing. Since I was able to do that. And it was really hard to do though. So sure.
2: And for me, I'd say, I mean, I did a video about this too, like how to get over it. I mean, you're never gonna completely be over it. It's like a scar, it's always gonna be there to remind you, but you survive it. You will survive it. And I tell people, number one, get a therapist. Like that was the first thing I say to people. I said, get a therapist because it's someone who's not your family, it's not your friends. They're a non-biased party, someone you can talk to and confide in who can give you an outside view of tips and tricks and help to guide you through this. There's no book that's been written because not every situation's the same. Little factors matter. And you need that person to help guide you, like hold your hand, basically. It's kind of like you're a toddler and they're, you know, taking you to your, you know, first day of preschool. They're walking you through how to do stuff. And that's okay. You need someone there and it's okay to feel a thousand different emotions. I mean, that's what I tell people because I get, I still get tons of messages and I'm like, there is no wrong way to feel. You can feel sad. You can feel mad. You can feel happy. You can feel, I mean, it's a roller coaster and every day is different and you just have to take it one day at a time and then find something that just makes you happy to try to focus on. Like for me, it was my kids. For other people, it's going to be something else. But just that little positivity during the day is going to get you from one day to the next. Yep.
1: And, and one thing that that I try to share is, however you feel, it's okay to feel that way. Absolutely. Just don't unpack and live there. Oh yeah. yes. Because we have to express that emotion. And, and another thing that you said about you know the scar, I, I read this this quote that said heal the wound, but leave the scar to remind me of how strong I am.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: And that's so important that we realize that things are never going to be the way that they were because of this that happened, but they are going to be in a place of where you can cope and learn to trust and and probably have more tools to trust each other than you did when you began. And as I, I like to think that everything happens for a reason and that reason right now may not look like a good one but you know in 5 10 20 years you may look back and say that was the best thing that ever happened yeah and and we really have to hang on to that hope that, that this what what are we trying to learn here you know what what tools are we trying to acquire in this time of of crisis rachel is there anything you would like to add or say about all of this
0: yes There is. As bad and as traumatic as it was in everything. And right now I'm really referring more to going on to the Dr. Phil show. There's always a silver lining. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm seeing it right now because you two are together. You're on the same team and you're fighting together.
1: Yeah. uh, You know, I'm sure you've heard before a marriage isn't two perfect people, it's two imperfect people that never give up on each other.
0: That's right, yes. And um,
1: some of us are more imperfect than others, but we learn to strengthen each other uh, through our friendships and relationships. Uh, I'm so glad that that you were willing to, to talk about this very touchy subject, not just in the trauma that you've experienced in your marriage, but the trauma that you experienced uh, in a setting where you should have been getting help. Yeah. Yeah. And so on behalf of the mental health community, I apologize that you had to deal with that from someone who is presenting themselves as a part of that community to give help. I'm so thankful that you have Rachel and that you had Rachel before going and that you had enough trust in her that you were able to come back and say, this is what he said, and this doesn't, this just isn't right. Because there are those that would have said, well, Rachel's an LPC and he's a doctor. He knows more than she does, and just you know, and then just not ever go back to Rachel. And so I, I'm, I'm thankful. And I'm proud of you for, for at least whether or not it works, for being willing to see that it, that there's a chance. So I'm proud of you for that, Rachel. I'm proud of you that you are helping them navigate through this tough time, and and I'm sorry for the blemish. That and the the backtracking that was done by by someone who is supposed to help. Um, so I applaud you, and you're you're sticking through this. I I really appreciate you doing that for them.
4: Well, it
0: it's my pleasure. They're definitely worth it. <laughs> Thanks.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, once again, it was it was great to have you with us. Um, once thank again, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. James and Janae's experience on the Dr. Phil show was very troubling to me. And as you've heard in this podcast was also very troubling to their therapist in the past 12 years of doing counseling and therapy with, with couples and individuals, I have never seen the technique that was used on the Dr. Phil show uh, used. And from what I saw in these two episodes, there wasn't anything productive done, but things that could be and turned out to be very harmful to James and Janae's mental health and relationship. And as as people who are entrusted with the mental health of others and helping them, uh, we are to do no harm. And it's evident here today that there was potential harm done, uh, and according to James and Janae's therapist, that there was harm done. I never want to accuse someone of doing something without giving them the opportunity to defend themselves or even to just give a reason behind what they have done. And so I want to extend a, a invitation an open invitation here to Dr. Phil to come on doc talks and to tell us his method, his motive, his, his heart behind his show and in particularly this episode. So, Dr. Field, this is my open invitation to you. Uh, let's sit down, let's Zoom, and let's talk about what is going on here. And I, I do look forward to hearing from you. Once again, I'm Doc Bryan. You can find me at thedocbryan.com. All of my social media links are there at the bottom of our website. Doc Talks is a part of the Be Frank Network. You can find all of our podcasts there at befranknetwork.com. Thank you, and have a great day.